Welcome to Chat Ed Pod, a podcast with two friends who love to talk and learn together. I'm Lacey. And I'm Annie. And this is an education podcast with the tagline, Education Conversations about Equity, Transformation, and Belonging. All right, Annie, so what are you reading, watching, or listening to right now? I was just thinking about that. I, nothing new. Um, Lots of podcasts, lots of murder podcasts, which um, people know that I enjoy. Um, But there hasn't really been anything new that I've watched. I think last time we talked, I talked about watching um, a a new-to-me show called Fisk. Um, I'm really into The Lincoln Lawyer. Another season came out. Um, and I know that another season of Only Murders in the Building came out. I just haven't had time to watch it. So I'm just really busy with my new job. And my husband and I are going on a trip in a couple of days. So um, I'm just kind of getting ready for that rather than reading, watching, or listening to anything. But I'm excited for the things that are coming up. I'm excited to set some time aside to watch um, the new ep- the new season of Only Murders in the Building. As Selena Gomez... Um, Martin Short, uh, Meryl Streep, I think, is in it this um, this season. So, yeah. What are you reading, watching, or listening to, Lacey? So, there is this show. Um, it's on National Geographic, but you can stream it on Disney+. Plus. Okay. It's called Never Say Never with Jeff Jenkins. So, he's a travel journalist, and he goes different places. And what I love about it is that he's a – so, he's a plus-size, like, black man and so he's doing some of these things that you know stereotypically we'd be like "Mm, black people don't do that like he's hiking and swimming and uh just doing all types of things so i watched one episode with my husband and it's just it was just so funny because it really had me like check in like that stereotype Mm -hmm. of like what you know what people think or kind of what we assume black people do and like i've had to catch myself because he's you know, in our trainings, we talk about, like, you, you speak from the eye. Like, Lacey cannot speak for all Black women. But it's like, the sometimes it's the urge to be like, uh-uh, Black people, we don't do that. Like, Black people, we don't, <laughs> we don't do books. Or, like, Black people, we, we don't do, we ain't finna get our hair wet. It's like, no, like, we are, we're all very different. And so it was so good to see um, this Black Man, and he's like he's plus size. He has some body on him. Um, and for me being a plus size woman, it's nice to see him doing these things that I would not do because like I would just naturally kind of feel like my body doesn't like my body wouldn't allow me to do that. So he's like pushing himself also physically. And like that representation is so important. Cause I'm like watching him, I'm like, okay, that looks like fun. Like that looks cool. Other stuff I'm like, nah. He crazy. I that ain't for me. Like, <laughs> what's it called again? Never say never. Never say never. Interesting. And Jeff Jenkins. Yes. So he also has this YouTube channel. It's called the Chubby Diaries. <laughs> it's like some of his oldest stuff that he does, which is 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 really cool to watch. And it was just really good conversation. For me and my husband, because it was times where my husband was like, nah, like, nah, don't don't get no ideas, Lacey. I ain't doing that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just, I've enjoyed watching that. Um, yeah, that's that's mostly been kind of what I'm doing. I mean, I'm not a big TV watcher, 
besides Abbott Elementary, as we all know. As we all know. <laughs> we all know. But yeah, it's just, it's something fun to watch. That's awesome. Um, so everyone who's listening, I hope that you are reading and watching lots of cool things also, and but you're also listening to us. So make sure you're you're sharing with your friends and colleagues about all the great conversations that you engage with with Lacey and I, such as our news article. So Lacey and I, as we were planning for tonight, um, there's always some negative news that we could bring up about education and the the plight of education right now, but we really wanted to focus on something positive. So we found a very short article um, that's in the U.S. News and World Report about um, a school district in Michigan called Battle Creek Public Schools, and essentially the um, Kellogg Foundation, which is known as W.K. Kellogg Foundation, which is local to Michigan, is going to offer scholarships to students who graduate from Battle Creek Public School to attend a Michigan college or a historically black college or university out of state. So basically, they're going to offer scholarships for students to go to college. And the reason why this is um, great news in the world of education and in the world of Michigan is because this scholarship is going to help a community that may not otherwise have been able um, to provide resources or have the resources for students to attend college, to get a college degree. Um, so while this is focused on college degrees, this specific foundation and this scholarship, they also want to point out in this article that um, the school district or the area also has scholarships or financial assistance for students who might want to do um, career and technical schools. So basically what they're saying is we're doing really great things for this community of students who may not have the resources to go to kind of the next level of education um, after high school and so being able to provide them those scholarships. Which Lacey, I feel like we see this, I don't want to say a lot, but we see this often um, but a lot of times, at least in the recent, you know, two or three years, we see this as a celebrity or a multimillionaire um, offering this after the fact. So, you know, at Morehouse College and saying, we'll provide, we'll pay off all of your student loans or um, those types of things, which is great. But I also think this beforehand, like we're going to open up this world of possibilities that you may never have thought was possible. Um, for mm -hmm. your life and your situations. What are your reactions to this? So I have, a, I have a couple of different reactions. I think the first one is that I love that they saying that, hey, we will, we'll, we will pay for the scholarship, but we're not going to just limit you, like, you know, a Michigan college or HBCU. Um, and I think in the la last podcast, I was talking about, like, with my own daughter, we're looking at HBCUs for her to possibly go to, go to school. Um, and so I love that. And I also, uh, I think about my daughter this summer, she had to like look up colleges and look up tuition. And, and so she was just like, her mind was blown. Like, she's like, it costs this much to get an education. I was like, yes, like, like it, it costs, it costs a lot of money. Um, and so, like, there were some co certain colleges where she was just like, mm -mm, I'm not going there. Like, that just costs too much. 
um, because it was either out of state or just like just the cost of it. And just like thinking about like how like there are some people who like don't have to worry about that. Like that's not a thought. Like I'm gonna go to this college, either my parents will pay for it, I'll pay for it, I'll get loans and we'll figure it out later. But there's some people who are really like looking at the cost of college and saying, hey, like, is there a a better financial way for me to do this? Is it starting a community college and then transfer? Um, And so I I like this. I love this idea because then like, it says like students, in the article it said for, uh, it says a student who has been in the school district since kindergarten will receive a 1000% scholarship. And so, like they know, like they know this. Like, I'm in eleventh grade. I know if I finish the twelfth grade, I will get this scholarship. And so, let me start looking at these HBCUs or these schools in Michigan. So these, like, let me already start, you know, thinking. And so, I just, I love that. I love that it just provides great opportunity uh, for students because college is college is expensive. Yes, for sure. And I think if we're going back to the what we talked about before and what's in our book is the the kind of picture of the trees, um, equality, um, equity, justice, that, that type of idea. And what is happening by giving this scholarship is really at a, at a justice level, right? It's changing the systemic barriers, the systemic barriers of financial barriers. But just because we change it at the K to 12 level doesn't mean that the systemic barriers are gonna be gone at the college level or at the Mm -hmm. career and technical. So like it has to be a whole system change rather than just at one place. Um, But I think it's great, great for the students who are gonna be able to experience that. I'm fingers crossed, hoping that when they do end up going to a career technical school or a university or an HBC or whatever they end up going to with this scholarship, that it's a school that um, truly lets students be who they are and supports them in a way that really a lot of colleges and universities don't for first time Um, you know, like first generation students, low income students, students who may not feel as if they are seen on campuses. So I'm hoping that that system can continue. Yeah, because actually, like that truly affects uh, your experience and your success. Um, Because like my freshman year experience, I did, I did not have a good experience. I I think I briefly kind of talked about that before. And so and I quickly realized that this is not a place where I need to be. Um, and so I left and, you know, it doesn't matter how, if the scholarships or whatever, if people are in a, just in a, uh, for me, a racist environment, just, it's just, it's not good. It's not going to, it's, it's not going to work. So yes, I, that's very important as well, like to look at the universities and what they're doing. Cause there are certain universities I have told my daughter, like, I I don't think this is the best place for you. Right. Um, Based off the you know the the state the policies that's going on, like having that conversation with her, right? But yes, I, this this is I'm glad you know glad to see this article, um, glad to see that you know in Michigan, people are putting putting some money and providing some support and some resources. That's wonderful. But let's hop into today's topic, which is myth number four. So the last few episodes we have been going over the myths. Uh, of equity 
that you can that can be found uh, in our book, which is Coaching for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Accessibility, and Blogging in Early Childhood, um, which is was written by Annie K. Ranking and Lacey Thigpen. And so uh, we've been going through the, the different myths. And so we're on our last myth, myth number four, uh, which is I don't see color. So I'm going to read the paragraph that's in our book um, for myth number four. It says, I don't see color. The world that we live in is becoming more and more diverse. In fact, as stated in the preface, the preschool class of 2020 is the first class to have a majority of students who identify racially as Asian, Black, Latinx, Native American, biracial, or multiracial. Therefore, when teachers choose not to see the whole child, including all of the child's identities, educators are using privilege, consciously or unconsciously, to decide who is seen in the classroom. By stating, I don't see color, the message is, I do not see all of you. Furthermore, when I don't see color is stated, the intentional representation of all students in the curriculum is also often absent. As Bishop explains, when children cannot find themselves in books or when they see themselves presented only as laughable stereotypes, they learn a powerful lesson about how much they are undervalued in the society in which they are part, end quote. Mic drop, man. I know, <laughs> it is good. So, wow, so much is in there. Consciously making the decision. What, um, what I think is really important for, for our listeners to understand is our words matter. Our words matter to people hearing them. And when you say something, you unconsciously or consciously are also taking it in for yourself. And you can say, oh, I don't believe that. But if you're stating it, there's some portion of you who does believe that. It's just like when someone you know, says a sexist joke or a racist joke and they're like, oh, but I'm just joking. You know, like, I know that that's not true. There's always at least a little hint of truth within that. Um, and so really being um, clear that when you say, I don't see color, you're basically saying, I don't see you. I don't see you as a person. I don't see your history. I don't see the systemic oppression that you're that people with your skin color have experienced. I don't, I don't see um, the systemic pieces of what makes our system either um, give you power or oppress you. And so I think that there's just, I know that there's so much in that, those four little words, I don't see color. You have to see color. You have to. Saying I don't see color is not being, quote, woke or not being, um, you know, justice focused. You have to see color in order to get kind of get to those next levels of, okay, I see that we are a different color. I recognize that our people who have share our color, our skin tone have had different experiences. What can we do in today's world based on that past, based on knowing what that history is? 
Yeah. So um, I was thinking, I was I was thinking about this earlier, but I don't see color, and and you know that's that's one of the things that kind of calls always causes me to kind of cringe, um, when I hear people when I hear people say this, because like understanding like each one of us we have these all these different identities and we have this how they intersect our intersectionality, and so like you can't pick and choose what part of me like that you want to you want to see you want to deal with like oh you're you know like oh you're a female or uh or oh you have asthma oh you're a plus size but i'm going to ignore this other part because that's what i'm choosing to ignore like no those are just those are parts of who i am that's and they have created me to have these lived experiences um so earlier i was looking and kind of thinking about this like this whole I don't see color, the color uh, color blindness. And so there's a quote from Learning for Justice, and it says, when teachers say they are colorblind, they are usually saying that they do not discriminate and that they treat all their students equally. Of course, being fair and treating each other with respect are essential to effective teaching. However, race and ethnicity often play important roles in children's identities and contribute to their culture, their behavior, and their beliefs. Um, and so this whole, like, I, you know, I, I get, because we provide PD, and I get that people like, I treat everyone the same. I treat everyone, I just, I just love students. But a part of me loving you is, is seeing you and knowing who you are. And knowing that, like, you know, think about, like, we have different love languages. And there's different ways that we all kind of feel loved. And so, as a teacher, I have to see all that you are and it meets you where you are. And also understand that I don't know who I am. Like, I I can't be like, okay, well, I see who you are, but I'm going to hide who I am. When you see me, you see I'm a Black female. Like, I bring that lived experience. And so as educators, we have to make sure that we're kind of like reflecting on our own identity as well as our students and our family's identities. And going along with that, this makes me think of the idea of like, I don't see color is what people are trying to equate to sometimes of I treat everyone the same. You can say that, but what I have realized really within the last 30 days as I have um, started to manage a staff of 30 plus people. I've been trying to be very, very conscious of treating everyone the same, but I am constantly questioning and constantly checking myself and reflecting on, did I actually do this the same? And mm -hmm. so I would even push to say, if you're someone who's saying, well, I treat everyone equal, I would even say you probably aren't because a true place of treating everyone trying to treat everyone with with equality um, or with equity is to say, I really try my hardest, but there are times that I reflect and catch myself and realize I need to go back and, and change a process or I need to go back and change a view or I need to go back and reflect on this. And so I think when we give ourselves that umbrella statement of I don't see color or I treat everyone equally or I treat every student equally, we are putting a barrier within ourselves to stop the reflection. Mm -hmm. 
and my mind just kind of, you know, went back to my, like when I was in a classroom, and realized it was easier for me to teach my, to, to, to treat my students uh, kind of how they needed to be treated, like, you know, but when it came to like my coworkers, Mm-hmm. It was, it was different. Yep. It was, like, oh, these are children. I can, you know, okay, I'm going to give you what you need. Like, kind of think like, you know, early childhood, we individualize things. So this is what you need as an individual. This is what your family requires. Like, oh, I'm going to support you. But then when it came to like my teammates and, you know, other teachers across the hall or PD time, it's like, mm-mm, like, <laughs> Yeah, y'all ain't finna, you know, I'm not finna, I'm not finna do that. I'm not finna <laughs> put all that energy in and then kind of thinking of the whole like kind versus nice communication. Mm-hmm. Like, I ain't trying to be kind. I ain't trying to be nice. I ain't trying to communicate. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. I think that's the biggest piece mm-hmm. is that when you put that barrier up and say, like, I treat everyone equally or I treat everyone with individuality or whatever it is that you're going to say that's a blanket statement. It's almost cutting you off to doing that hard work, that constant, mentally exhausting work of of checking yourself and checking in with yourself and doing all of that, mm-hmm. um, and not blame and not blaming people like I right not blaming them like oh here she come here Tiffany come and she's sensitive so I got to use I don't know like can I just say it can I just I, or you know people like I'm just honest. Can I just be honest? Like, yes, we can be honest, but you have to remember who, who you're talking to, how you're communicating to them. And there's nothing wrong that this is how they need to be communicated to, uh, you know, to. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I just, I just think it's funny because sometimes I just be like, I'm like, I'm done talking to people. Like, Leave me exhausting, alone. exhausting, right? But I think it all comes back to that statement of I don't see color. When you say you don't see color, you're choosing not to individualize. You're choosing to not see the full student or full person. You're choosing not to really, um, not to individualize, not to build a relationship with, which relationships are the basis of all kind of progress. Um, in, you know, in academics or in social emotional and and so forth. So saying I don't see color is our fourth myth. There is no such thing as not seeing color. Um, And what I think is interesting, and I forget if it was in this book or another book that I wrote, but I was talking about this or put an excerpt out about this. And people took it as the, the, like, the medical condition of colorblindness, like red, yellow, or red, green colorblindness. That's not what Lacey and I are talking about. We are talking about the idea that when someone says, I don't see color or I'm, um, you know, like I'm racially colorblind, it means that they don't see Lacey as black. They don't see me as white. They don't see um, someone as brown or something, right? Like they they don't see race is what Mm -hmm. is saying. We are not talking about the medical condition. That is legitimate medical condition. What we are talking about is the concept within the social justice field of saying I don't see someone's race. Mm -hmm. And then that creates that barrier. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, we really hope that you keep the conversation going. Bye.